Hello and welcome to the Equine Physio and Rehab podcast. My name is Dr Gillian Tabor. I'm a chartered physiotherapist and I specialise in the treatment and rehabilitation of horses. So if you've been listening to my previous podcasts, I have been uh, covering kissing spines in some depth. We've talked about the causes and possible ways to reduce the risk of it becoming a problem. And then I've gone on to talk about the uh, veterinary treatment of it. There's lots I can carry on talking about with regards to rehab, but uh, if you haven't listened to those podcasts, then please go back and uh, listen, and then that'll fit in quite nicely to this podcast. Because I'm going to start to talk through the phases of rehab and any evidence to support why we choose um, to do specific interventions and treatments and uh, therapeutic treatments. therapeutic treatment but what I wanted to talk about to start with was thinking about pain. Now obviously if you are rehabbing your horse from injury or from surgery then it's likely that they will have pain but in a lot of horses that are just generally in work and assumed to be sound and pain-free there is the possibility that they do have pain and it has been recognized in the research that owners that have said their horses are sound when they've been assessed by vets and uh, actual sort of research kit put on them to check their symmetry of movement that actually they're not considered sound that they are lame and also in terms of assessing whether they have musculoskeletal pain or soft tissue pain, that often can be sort of missed. And uh, I hope the people that I'm speaking to are very aware of being able to assess their horses for pain in terms of their behavioural responses and their sort of um, their uh, facial expressions of pain and that you're going to be less likely to miss it. But it, but it is a possibility. So we know that uh, pain does exist and unfortunately it is a consequence of what we're doing with our horses. Those that have had injury and surgery, um, they are going to have inflammation and inflammation is a cause of pain because of the chemicals that are released that then actually the nociceptors, so those pain nerve endings pick up on. And also if you've got swelling, then you have pressure, which can create pain and um, all of that can signal to the horse to keep that area of the body still uh, and also can lead them to uh, create sort of protective uh, compensatory movement patterns that we need to be aware of. In horses that are competing and working to high levels they can have pain from things like um, post-exercise soreness, so delayed onset muscle soreness, but also from overstrain and uh, injuries due to overloading the capacity of the uh, soft tissues, whether that's muscles or tendons or ligaments. So what happens when the horse has pain? I mentioned a little bit about not moving or compensating compensating for movement. But at the end of the day, the movement patterns will change. So a horse that has back pain will create stability and stiffness through the spine by over contracting the muscles either side of the spine. So they will go into spasm when the muscles either side of the spine are contracted, it splints the spine. So the actual joints in the spine then can't move. 
One thing that happens with the apaxial muscles, so those long back muscles going into spasm, is they create extension in the spine. So they cause closeness of the spinous processes, which further contributes to the kissing spine pathology. But when the back is in extension, then what tends to happen is the horse's head will be raised. And we see this in postures with horses that have got back pain, that their head and neck are high, so they are um, inverted. And you see that the muscle development in the neck is that that's described as the horse having a U-neck. And the, the, the pole is high, and the horse is usually above the bit if they're being ridden. And then the back is hollow and in extension. That creates a tilting of the pelvis so that the tail then becomes raised up in terms of the angulation of that tilt and then the hind quarters and the hind legs are then trailing behind the horse for want of a, a better term and that's what people say about the horse lacking engagement. So pain in itself can affect posture, both the way they hold themselves statically and then also if they are moving in that position. One of the things that we have to consider as well that might be causing this change of posture and also therefore might be contributing to this pain cycle is stress in a horse. So if a horse is overstressed in terms of the fact that they are then on that threshold to fear or maybe beyond that threshold to being and actually are then actively frightened of their situation, then they have the stimulation of the sympathetic nervous system and the um, response to that is that they are in that flight or fight zone. They're more likely then to have a raised head carriage and if you have a horse that is spooked at something and they're looking on the uh, horizon for it then their head will become high and then they will be going into this above the bit sort of inverted um, posture. Once the sympathetic nervous system is activated, which because horses are prey animals, it happens quite easily. What happens is the autonomic nervous system then goes through this process of preparing the horse to run. So the horse is going to primarily want to escape whatever's causing its fear. And to do that, it's going to raise the heart rate. We're going to have an increased respiratory rate. And then the body, the main big muscles of the body are going to be primed to create this movement so that they can escape. If the horse can't escape, then it would have to resort to a response of fight, which then, of course, is going to create more internal stress with the horse and those physiological adaptations to ready the horse to protect itself. So if the horse is in this stress situation, you can see how easily it's going to affect the posture. And there are multiple things that can create this stress in a horse. It can be their environment. So obviously, if there are things that they're spooking, there's things that are unpredictable. Um, the weather's bad. There's rustling in the trees. There's um, a lot of distractions. Then the horse is going to be more likely to be over aroused and pushed into this stressed pattern. But horses, horses that are in pain also have uh, a higher 
level of stress or should I say a lower level to reach the threshold of where they are stressed. So the horses that are painful may likely be more spooky, more reactive, uh, more responsive to their environment. Their environment as well as sort of physical situations, you know, spooky things around the if the horse is stressed because they're not having their needs met in terms of having the, um, friends, forage and freedom, that can be an issue as well. Stress can create behavioural responses such as stereotypies, such as uh, box walking and weaving and cribbing, and that those themselves can affect posture. So we're all into a bit of a scary cycle here where we've got a painful and stressed horse, which isn't going to be very good for its uh, welfare or its situation. So what do we do about this? Well, we need to ensure that we recognise that the horse might be stressed or it might be in pain. And then we have to realise that we've got to address that so that the horse can move in an optimum posture. If the horse is in this flight mode or it's in pain and it's not able to uh, release those muscles that are in spasm, then it's not going to be able to work in the zone of um, back positioning and hind limb engagement that we would like. We need to have those back muscles in what we call a a positive tension. So they can't be completely floppy and switched off, but they need to be able to contract and relax and lengthen and shorten in the normal uh, manner that's required for the gait. They need to be able to have their head and neck carriage in a lower position. So I think I've said before, but my ideal position is that the pole is level with the withers or some people say that the mouth is level with the shoulder because in that position we have a a nicely aligned spine with not too much extension at the base of it. We also want the face of the horse to be in front of the vertical and that then allows a reduction of sort of tension around the pole and also then you are um, not having the, the horse with the restriction of vision that you might have if the horse is behind the vertical or, or um, hyperflexed. I also say that I don't like the horse going around with the head really low down and just sort of bobbing along the level of the ground. I I think when we're in that position, we've lost the positive tension of the muscles through the spinal regions. I think the horse is then effectively just hanging off the nuchal ligament between the pole and the withers. Uh, And also it's not a very practical position for riding. We know that when the horse has got its head down there as well, we are going to move the centre of mass, so the sort of weight shift of the horses towards the forehand more than we would like, and then that's going to load those front legs. So if you've got a horse that might have a pathology such as um, arthritis or degenerative changes in the front legs, then we're not going to want their head and neck too low. We also, when we're in that low position, we might have the situation where the thoracic sling, which is the connection between the rib cage and the shoulders, we might have that effectively um, uh, very passive. Uh, and then the muscles that draw the rib cage up between the scapula will be switched off, and the horse is just then going to be hanging on its passive structures uh, between those scapula. 
So the optimum position with the ears level with the poll is what we're working for. If we've got pain and we've got a stressed horse and then they are very rigid rather than being um, supple and flexible, we're not going to be able to achieve the mobility through the joints that we're looking to include in our training, whether it's in hand or whether it's ridden. And what we don't want to do is we don't want to reinforce these negative postures because then the horse finds those as a habitual pattern and it's harder to retrain. Then the other thing that happens is that you are just strengthening the muscles and the tissues in that same posture. And then if we strengthen short and tight muscles, then that's going to then make our job much, much harder if we want to achieve a more supple and over the back, to take a dressage terminology, you know, an engaged hind limb movement um, through the spine. So we need to achieve this positive tension, um, erring on the side of relaxation, and we need to have mobility in a range of motion to then want to strengthen and reinforce that uh, horse's position so that then that becomes their habit and their way of going uh, during training. So this posture isn't designed to be used, you know, 100% of the time, especially if you're aiming for a competition outline or you're going to go to more intense work. But it is something that I want the horse to be able to switch into during training session, during your training session, sort of between those harder, more intense bouts of work. But also if we're thinking about the um rehabilitation in the early phases then we're we're going to spend you know our warm-up in that position and our cool down uh, and only have sort of short bursts where we come out of that position and um, again we still need that mobility to achieve it and I've been reading around the subject of this postural change because I find it absolutely fascinating and it fits in so well with the physio rehab that I work with my clients um, to progress their horse post-surgery or, or post-pain. And uh, the latest book that I have bought is a book called The Balancing Act by Dr. Gerd Hussman, who is the author of the Tug of War book, who is very vocal speaking out about horses that are worked in a hyperflex position. And he categorizes horses as to whether they are leg movers, uh, tense back movers, or those that are actually training well and using their back correctly. But he cited in his book a quote from Frédéric Pignon, and that's a book that I've also just started reading. But the quote is all about developing the long muscles in the horse. And Frederick says, these can only be formed when muscles are relaxed while they are working. If a muscle has tension, then the horse will inevitably develop short muscles. And I think that fits in really, really well with the postures that we are trying to achieve when we're working our horses, either in hand or ridden. There's also a very good write-up about the positions in an article on Behind the Vertical uh, on a page called Sustainable Dressage. So if you um, search that up, um, sustainabledressage.net, and you look at that um, article, it's got some wonderful pictures and um, it just explains quite a lot about the differences between head and neck carriage and the effect that they have on the rest of the body. But circling back to physiotherapy, 
we need to uh, address the pain that the horse is in and that might be something that I can do with manual techniques or electrotherapy but also it might mean that we need some veterinary help with our interventions so I always like to work very closely with the vets because if the horse needs added support either you know local medication or oral medication then that might be the way in to achieving this change of the posture so that then we can rehab the horse so it's all about teamwork it's all about looking at how your horse moves working out are they in pain are they stressed can they achieve the range of motion that allows them to get into optimal posture and then once they're there are we able to move in and out of that position and stay or stay in there long enough so that we can strengthen the right muscles of the horse so that they can maintain that position so that was my thoughts really on posture and pain if you uh, want to get in touch with me you can do i'm on facebook and instagram at dr gillian table physio so you can follow me on there and also i've got my website which is www.gilliantable.co.uk and on there you'll find a contact form where you can drop me a message and also uh, available on there is the option to speak to me with regarding online rehab because I can help you wherever you are in the world and I can support you through zoom meetings and assessment of videos of your horse and supporting you through the tricky phase of navigating rehab if that's your situation but thank you for listening for now and any comments or feedback then please just drop me a line